Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dano. And with me as always, the bloke that's head is so fucking big now after being on the Jock Reynolds podcast. It's Pato. Welcome, Pato. Oh, come on, mate. Like, surely I haven't been acting like that, have I? Nah, you're all good, mate. You're all good. We've got to keep the bants up, though. Come on, man. Always, always. Great, great shit from Pato uh, being on the Jock Reynolds podcast last week. Although there was one thing that pissed me off about it, and it was they actively ignored my questions. And I don't know whether it was you or them. Pato, but no, Damo is the uh, the headmaster of that one. So he he's the one that would have looked over your one. So you'll have to send some hate mail his way. Um, anyway, we'll go on to our group winner, and it was Zach's team, Baggers, with a massive score of two thousand two hundred and seventy seven in a shit bye week. Pato, uh, who do you have? Well, yeah, interestingly, doesn't have too many Carlton players. That's probably why he did so well this week, but. Had a lot of the high-scoring guns from this week. Your Dacos, Dawson, uh, Yo, Sinclair, Day, Shayshaw, <laughs> Sarong, Goulden. Um, the name I skipped over was Luke Ryan for those playing at home. Um, we'll, we'll talk about him very soon, I'm sure, Dano. But, uh, yeah, huge score in, in a really shit bye week. I hope, by the way, that everyone got through that okay. Uh, so good to see 18 on, uh, 22 on field again, Dano. Like, just such a relief. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Zach actually got 156th rank for the round. So that was a huge effort, Zach, and obviously our group winner for the week. So great job. Yep, yep. Awesome team. Um, Luke Ryan is a primo, by the way, Pato, um, and a gun. <laughs> anyway, injuries and suspensions. We'll start off with Clayton Oliver, Pato, because news has come out that he's going to miss this weekend. Yeah, there's something fucking fishy happening there. And I know there was a, a screenshot of a Mitch Cleary treat, tweet that was possibly edited, but maybe deleted of him possibly being under a second dr- drug strike, which I mean, I guess in today's day and age, you can't really rule out. But mm. the fact that three weeks ago, Goodwin said that he's almost certainly to play and then didn't get up. And then he was in hospital for an infection, but then missed the next week with a hamstring. And now he's missing this week with the hamstring. Like, Something ain't right there. So if you held, and I know Damo from Jock Penalty has held on to him, and mm. many others have, you'd be fucking livid. Like, this week you can probably handle it a lot better than last week, but fuck, that hurts, like, in hindsight. And this is the sort of unlucky shit that happens. Like, they said it was pretty much a one- or two-week thing. He was possibly missing three with two weeks off, and then – then the buy, and then he was, you know, should have played round fifteen, and now all of a sudden it's a six-week fucking hamstring. So, really, really hurts those that decided to hold him, and and that can make and break, make or break your super coach season. It's just such a a vital decision like that, and you just talk it down to really bad luck. If you held him this long, I think you got to hold him still again, Dano. But fuck, you'd be frustrated. Yeah, agreed. Um, and those looking to trade him in uh, might have to come up with some other plan for the moment, or it might be a blessing in disguise for them. Anyway, Jeremy Cameron got absolutely fucking knocked out by his own teammate. Uh, he should be out for one to two weeks, and he this is going to sound really bad, but he could be juicy in a few weeks if he starts hitting the ground running again. Yeah, did Gary Rowan get cited for that? No, you're one of these people. So... <laughs> 
so many people are like, oh, he should he should be copping a suspension, even though it's his teammate. They will never ever do that to a teammate. I think you'd have to probably like punch your teammate in the face or something and cause a concussion to be suspended in that situation. But mm. fuck, it'd be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, fuck, it would be. Um, Alex Pierce. Uh, calf subbed out. Recovery is a TBA. Um, while I got it on the recovery is a TBA, how good is it that the AFL is now actually saying you can't say short term, medium term on the fucking yes. uh, injury list? Oh, bless you, yes. guys. Finally forcing Geelong to pull their fucking heads in. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, is this bad news for your, your self proclaimed uh, fake primo, Luke Ryan? I think it could be, Dono, because if it's discovered that Alex Pierce misses four or five weeks, uh, one of the better sort of lockdown key defenders in the comp, and I'm not sure that Frio really have a really ready-made replacement playing Waffle. So I think the situation is that they bring in a sort of Corey Wagner or something to play more of a medium tall role that, that Luke Ryan has been playing and R- Luke Ryan might have to play a little bit more accountable footy. So mm. that's where I think it could be bad news for Alex Pierce, much like the Essendon situation where Ridley was forced to play lockdown and his scoring was shit ass. And then as soon as Zerk Thatcher came into the fold, um, yeah, Jordan Ridley yeah. sitting on a nice five round average of 120, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I'm livid um, in my Supercoach Draft League about Ridley. But anyway, I was pushed into a desperate situation, Pato, and I had to trade him off uh, to get a warm body on the field. And ever since then, he's been lit. Um, okay, so Dion Prestia, calf. And funnily enough, Pato's written in brackets short term. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, this is only because we're recording on the Monday night and the, the official injury list hasn't come out yet. Richmond have said medium term, but in the... In the injury list, they'll probably list sort of one to three. Um, Richmond are usually pretty good with estimations like that. Uh, obviously, Daniel Prestia isn't a relevant super coach player, but this could have actually implications on on a Trent Cotchin. Now, he didn't make the run sheet. I thought about it, Dano, but I thought I'd quickly mention him here as having a really nice role, um, obviously, on the older side of 30. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you don't love bringing guys at that age range, but 350K forward mid um, could be worth a flyer. He's got a negative 19 break even um, and had a lazy 127 in his 300th game. So can, this is someone that I could see maybe having some big games on the run home. Yeah, yeah. Now, rookie trade-ins, Paddock. Um, first one... <laughs> With the, the bloke with the worst fucking first two games in AFL history, uh, team-wise, that's Ryan Marich at 102k forward, minus six break, even 33 average. Do you fucking see the shit that they came out with for this poor bastard? They said, in his first two games of AFL football, the Eagles have lost by a cumulative 293 points, the biggest ever margin for a player across their first two career games. Yeah, I, I reckon after the Sydney smashing, he's probably wishes he was back at Woolies. <laughs> probably. <laughs> like, that's pretty bad. Um, look, it's hard to say that a, that a forward that scored 16 is going to hold his spot, but I surely he doesn't lose his spot, Dono, and his perfect warm body for your F8 position. Uh, the ball just didn't go down there, so that's why he didn't score. So I, I think you've got to... Yeah, obviously you're holding him if you brought him in. Uh, I think he's a, a trade-in option just to maximise your downgrade and get to who you need to get to premium-wise. Yep, agreed. Jasper Fletcher, 157K mid, minus 25 break-even, 58 average. 
I, I don't know with this one, Pato. Uh, job security-wise, I have no idea. Uh, you might have a better idea than me. And, yeah, I just, they've still got, like, Daniel Rich and whatnot. Like, I know it's got nothing to do with his position, but they've still got, like, guys like Rich and Gunston who are trying to find form on the training track will then come back in and that forces two people out and they'll reorganize their team. So I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure with Fletcher. Yeah. I mean, the, the likes of Zorko and, and et cetera to come back in, I can't see him holding a spot either. So at this point, in terms of trade-ins, I don't think that the price really matters. You want someone that's probably going to play nine weeks out of nine. And even the scoring doesn't matter too much, especially if you've got a forward mid that can sort of cover you in either line if someone misses one week. So I would be steering clear of Fletcher because I don't love the job security. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And we've also got Josh Faye down here, 126K defender slash mid, two break even, 26 average. I don't know whether he's going to be named or not. The Giants are on a bit of a roll. Um yeah, it's really dependent on whether he's being named, and it won't surprise me if he ends up being sub. Yeah, but he played last game for a 54, so he may hold on to his spot, Dana. Actually, no, he didn't play around 14. No, he got dropped. Got dropped. There you go. So yeah. another one, yeah, watch the team sheets. But the, the cupboard is really bare in terms of rookie trade-ins, so good luck. There's one that you haven't included on this run sheet, Pato, and I want to float a little idea. He's played one game. He's a He's an AFL player it's lucky Fogarty. <laughs> well, i would hope so because we can't yeah, trade no. in waffle like, players like it's well you can it's fucking ryan marriage's one uh <laughs> campbell Jessa. fuck um lucky Fogarty of carlton he's 167k mid forward he's had the one game of a 51 if he's named again against hawthorne he's got hawthorne this week it's break even 16 and then the next week if he goes okay again He's got Fremantle, who has previously scored 163 against in round three of 2021. I must admit he isn't on my radar, so I'm going in blindly. Um, I just want to look at his heat map from his last game. Played basically solely forward. Yep. So I think at that price, it's really awkward. He actually had 13% CBAs, which is very interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Um, yep. Now you see why I wanted to bring him up. Yeah. Yeah, and now you've got me thinking because I'm looking for a DPP to downgrade Fife so I can afford my tra- my last upgrade. So, mm. And he's only played the one game, so his price isn't going to change at all. I, but he'll, I would be on want- the, he'll be on the bubble against Fremantle, which is what I'm really looking at as well. He's got Hawthorne and Frio, so... And that big I scoring would, history, fuck. Yeah, I would want to maybe get a Carlton supporter's perspective on what the job security is um, and whether he's going to play the rest of the year. Um, he has been playing VFL this year. Yeah. So it's not like he's coming back from injury. Like, he's played round 1 through 12 at VFL level. So, you know, he's come in. Yes, they've won that one game that he came in for. Maybe that does have some weighting, but yeah. I'm just going asking someone. This, yeah, going in blind this way could be risky. I'm just asking someone now, um, Lockie Fogarty job security, and we'll see what comes up. So we'll keep moving on. We're not doing waiting in the wings this week, Pato, uh, because pretty much everyone's sides 
will mostly be settled. Um, and realistically, we want to maximise as much cash as we can while bringing guys that are on the bubble. So there's not too many that are of note on the bubble. So I'll move on from that. Um, now, we'll start with defender trading options. Now, who's the first one that you have, Pato, and why, have you, why do you want to talk about them? It's Jordan Dawson. Um, pretty pretty obvious. Um, he's in 52% of the team, so I'm speaking to the back corner there who somehow don't have him. I can't really talk. I only brought him in last week. But anyway, um, he's at his buy. Looked really good against Collingwood. Was robbed of a 180, mind you, because he should have had the game-winning goal. Yeah. But the role is magnificent. The price is actually really good for a guy averaging 118. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything to lose here. Like, I brought Dawson in as a midfielder last week. I didn't need a defender. I needed a midfielder, and I brought him in because he was the best option. So I don't think I have to sell this at all. Like, if you've got the cash and you can afford him and you need a midfielder or a defender and you've got 582000 to spend, just fucking get Dawson if you don't have him. Yeah, and speaking of which, he is a defender midfielder, and I'm at the point where I'm actually looking at primo mids and you, like, get bringing in guys and switching them like let's say a Taranto and a Dunkley into the into the mids and opening up a forward line position that way. Or in this case, I could get Dawson in from my defense into the mids and then open up a defender position. And I feel like that the DPPs are going to be crucial for the last half of the year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because all, all it takes is one sloppy tackle and someone's missing a week. And there's a fair few lower-priced guys who are DPP that you could – that might play one week here and there, and you could just quickly slot them in um, that are sitting on your pine or whatever. So, yeah, I, I really like Jordan Dawson, and I feel like it should be at least 70% of teams, at least. At least. It should be the same as, as Dacos. Yeah, correct. Who is at 74%. Like, yeah, plain yep. simple. Just bring him plain in. Simple. Now, the next one that we've got on the list, Pato, is Jack Sinclair at 564K, 105 average. 28% ownership and 91 break even. And he's got 133 last weekend playing mid, and he's got West Coast this week. And, yeah, he's at a juicy, juicy price. Yes. Yeah. We're worried about the midfield role. Um, Just randomly plays midfield every now and then. Went at 58% disposal efficiency for a 133. Um, 68% CBAs in that as well. So there's actually a bit of a pattern. It's sort of every three weeks he'll play in midfield. But I, I feel like it's more opponent dependent mm. and, and and whether they like the matchup or not. But hopefully he's working out how to play midfield now and and it doesn't matter whether he plays halfback or midfield, he's going to get really good super coaching scoring. So I think the price point is really attractive here at 564K. Um, for a guy that's got a fiber run average of 118, like there's the ceiling. That's all you need to see. And he's – He's cheaper than Dacos, cheaper than Dawson, um, cheaper than Stewart, and I think he's got the same sort of scoring capability. Yep. Jordan Ridley at 529K, 95 average, 8% owned, 61 break even. Got a five-round average of 120, Pato. And I like when we first brought him up, we're like, you got to get him like now and you got to capitalize on that bargain basement price when he was like 420 or whatever the fuck it was. He's now 529 and he's still looking fucking good. <laughs> so... Yeah, I still like him as a trading option. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, the only thing is, now I didn't catch this game. I had a little date night with the with the Miso on Saturday night, but 
According to fan footy, Zerk Thatcher did go down um, with concussion, um, had a bit of a test and then a groin problem. So we'll see if he gets up. Hopefully he does for Ridley owners. But as long as they are naming that second key defender, um, Laverde being the other one, obviously, I, I think you can be really confident with with Ridley. Um, this is the, the ceiling. Like I started Ridley and jumped off after a couple of weeks to get to Dacos, but this is this is the reason why people started him in this role. Like it's just a it's a ridiculous role. Yeah, yeah. Dan Houston, five thirty nine k, one hundred and two average, one point seven percent ownership. So massive POD here, Pato. One hundred and nineteen break even. Now he's got a five round average of one hundred and nine, and he's got some random as fuck low score in there against the doggies uh, when he played more wing than half back. So what do you, what do you like about Houston? I love the one point seven percent ownership. That's really yep. good. Um, he is a little bit up and down scoring. However, since round five, he's actually been really good if you take away that one random dogs game where he played wing. So he went 123 in round five, ironically against the dogs also. Um, had 93 against West Coast and defenders are just aren't scoring well against West Coast because the ball's never fucking down there. Then he went 110, 122, 81 against North or again, wasn't down there. 128, 114, 112, the 47 that we talked about, and 146 against Geelong. Port Adelaide are flying. Um, he tends to do better when they do win games. And, yeah, he's that main guy off halfback, run and carry, great ball movement, uh, sorry, efficiency. I think it's a really solid POD option. He doesn't quite have the ceiling of guys like Ridley or Ryan or Sicily or – even yeah. even Zebel, you would argue, but he's a little bit more consistent and the floor isn't as bad. And I say that where he scored 47 <laughs> two weeks ago, but yeah. um, that, it's easy to see that was role. Um, that was because of the role, not because of just a bad game. Yeah. And do you want to like bring up his run home? So his run home, as it stands, is Essendon, Gold Coast, Carlton, Collingwood, Adelaide, Geelong, Giants, Fremantle, Richmond. So... How many of those are actually bottom eight sides, Pato? Uh, bottom eight, top eight, fucking whatever you want to say. None of those teams really lock down on halfbacks, except for, you would argue, Adelaide. But Keyes has been that guy, and he's playing midfield, and, and we'll definitely get to Adelaide. But he scored 110 against them in round three in, in the showdown. So I, the run home is really, really attractive for a halfback. So I, I don't see much to hate about this. People are going to yep. get scared off because it's not, it's not a really a household name, but you got to be, you've got to have the nuts to sort of back yourself in on a pick like this. And if it goes wrong, then so be it. But you are not going to make up rankings by following the pack. And that's why you've got to nail this sort of guys. Like I, I risked a lot early days, Dano, by going into Barass and I, I'll live and die by that. Like, if it if it paid off and he averaged 100, 100, 105 until McGovern came back, then I'd look like a fucking genius and I'd be a lot higher in the ranking. So yeah. it's just, is this sort of shit that is going to win you uh, ground up against your opposition rather than bringing in a? I mean, we're, we're said to bring in Jordan Dawson, but that's that's another level again just because of the ceiling. But yeah, if if Houston is your D six and other guys are carrying like a a Sheasel, I like Houston over Sheasel, and I'm holding Sheasel. Yep, yep, I don't mind it. Um, next one we got is Sam Doherty at 539K, Paddo. Uh, his break-even's 124. Uh, he's plugging along nice. He's got a 99 average, 7% ownership. So 
his last what? Fuck. Let's have a look. Since round seven when he came back, he's gone 106, 111, 94, 135, 124, 96, 77, and 111. So at 539K for a guy that... It, and this is the thing that fucking is annoying as shit. If you started him, you don't want to trade him back in. But sometimes you've got to fucking bite the bullet and just do it. 7% ownership, still a POD, just... I don't mind Sam Doherty. The only thing I do mind is fucking Carlton because they're shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one, like same price as Houston, very similar situation. A lot higher percentage of teams that Doherty is in than Houston, but 7% is really low for Doherty. And we obviously know what Doherty can get. Um, I think the week off will do him really well. And I, I think he's ready to really finish off the year Strong, um, and it's a really great price point. It wouldn't shock me to see him over 600K by the end of the year and possibly averaging 110. That's, that's the ceiling that – that's the potential of scoring that he has. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like the Doherty pick. Yeah, don't mind it as well. Um, we're not going to mention Caleb Daniel because he's too fucking expensive. <laughs> yeah, no one has Caleb Daniel money. Nah, nah. he's in 6.3% of teams though, so good on you um, if you got him. Um, Bailey Dale's next though from so his teammate five twenty four k ninety one average three percent owned one hundred and nineteen break even. I I really like him. Um, and I've been talking about getting him in for a while, and then I just never did. Uh, good price point for me, Pato. Five round average of one ten. His last two weeks haven't been his best scoring weeks, but in saying that, they were still okay. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I brought him in a few weeks ago and. Been very happy, very happy. Uh, 520 is still a really great price. I, I get the sense that Frio, with the way they play, are going to let Bailey Dale basically do as he pleases. So I think that's a really attractive sort of proposition for this week. But I think the run home is also pretty good. Aside from maybe a Sydney, that's a bit of an awkward matchup. But everything else looks really, really good in terms of, of halfbacks and it, it really only depends on that guy that they've got out, um, sort of JJ, and who else did they lose? I've gone blank. Yeah, I think they've lost, and Jones. Yeah, so they've lost a few defenders there that just makes him the main guy, gets the kickouts. Like, sure, maybe not as attractive as as, a, as another guy, but 524K, if that's, that's what you're working with financially, then you can do a lot worse. Yeah. Now, Pato, round 15 um, is generally where... Well, sorry, round 15 to 16 is generally where those like breakout contenders start showing you what they're made of. Um, and we got Will Day next at 478k, 96 average, 20% owned, 26 break even. And these sorts of guys can make or break your season as well if you jump on at the right time. And he went absolutely fucking massive last game, split role between inside mid and a little bit of a fucking seagully type Jack Zebor how you doing role. But one, I want to ask you, why why should people consider him? And two, will Sicily coming back be detrimental or a positive for his scoring? So people people saw that he played loose and I think they're overplaying it because I watched this game and pretty closely because I have a, had a lot of super coach players playing and uh, trying to wish a Bailey Humphreys at least a 50 into existence, but it didn't happen. Mm. So I just want to talk about Will Day because he had one quarter where he played a loose seagull role, and that is Sicily's role. 
where he had 10 disposals, seven kicks, five marks, 50 AFL fantasy points, um, and played all defense. Um, he had three CBAs at the start of the quarter, but then got moved into, into loose halfback. Um, and the other three quarters, he played midfield. Um, he played a bit behind the ball in the fourth quarter, but it was mostly midfield. He had the most CBAs out of anyone on that Hawthorne team. It was just a coincidence because in that second quarter, Gold Coast kicked a lot of behinds. So he obviously got quite a few kick-ins from that. So I feel like people just have to kind of relax and just think that, like, he may play loose this week, but then I'm fairly sure oh, around 18. So he, he might get a couple of weeks in this role, but you've got to think you're you're trading in a midfielder. You're not trading Will Day, Day the guy that's playing Sicily's role for the rest of the year. Like, if Sicily was missing the rest of the year, Great. I mean, probably yeah. even a VC option. <laughs> That's yeah. how high the ceiling can be. But I, th- I still think it's a great price point, and I think it's an okay trading option. Maybe if you didn't trade him out, like if you'd never owned him, I think he's okay. But I wouldn't be trading him out, that's for sure. Or trading him in, you mean? No, I think the trading's fine. Yeah, okay, cool. But people need to think that he's not averaging 120. He's not playing Sicily's role full-time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. spot minutes. Now... I want to talk about Luke Ryan, Pato. He's 521k, 111 average, 25% owned, 52 break even. You call him the fake primo, and yes, he did have a stretch there of four weeks in a row under 91. It was 85, 84, 91, 83. But then he's come back with a 106 and 143, Pato. Is he a trading option? And I know what you're going to say, but is he a trading option in your eyes? Now, we'll take... What I said before um, for a second, just think that it depends on injury news and team news because if Alex Pierce misses and they bring in a smaller defender, it looks like that he'll probably play key position, but we won't know that for a few more days. Yep. I think people have to caveat that with if you're looking at Luke Ryan, like I can't hate the pick if that's the way you want to go. You know the risk. You know that he can pop out low scores. But, yeah, watch for team news. Yep, that's fair. Move on to midfielders now. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, before we move on to midfielders, there is one that I forgot to put in the run sheet because I kind of rushed it. Ooh, yeah. um, but he is a Giants player, Dano, and has defense and forward capability. Yep. So 396K, um, yep. average of 69, how are you? He's in 3% of teams with a break even of, you guessed it, 69, how are you? Uh, that's not the reason why I'm mentioning him, Dano, although it is a nice little bonus uh, bonus feature. Um, Harry Himmelberg. Yep. Three weeks now in the, the defense role. Yep. Hasn't set the 88, world on fire. 88 against North, where it's North, like pretty pretty easy win. Um, Frio, 72. I didn't catch the game, Dano. That's got to be alarming. And I, I still have doubts that he plays defense for the rest of the year, even though... The coaching group have come out and said, no, we see him as a defender. We want to play him there. Like at the end of the day, there's about 74 defenders on that list and about three forwards. So like 74 doesn't go into six. No, it it does not. So I think when push (laughs) comes to shove, the Giants are going to end up having to put him back forward. And that's why I don't love the trade-in. But at under 400K, it's not a bad risk to take, Dano. I think it's a dumb risk. So, Jesse Hogan was a laid out. They brought in Aaron Cadman. He was fucking pus. Aaron Cadman will not be up forward for the Giants. He's they're, just not ready. Gonna... I, th- I think there's something there one day, but not this year. Yeah. Um. So, 
if they go with a three tools, I can see Himmelberg playing up forward with Riccardi and Hogan. Padman, I just can't see in that team. So they tried it. I think it's time to just be like, mate, you got to do your dues in the twos. Hashtag rapping. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I don't like, and even with Himmelberg playing defense, he's still not lighting the world on fire. So I don't like it at all. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, cool. So we'll move on to the mids. And the first one we have is the one that a lot of people are bringing in, and he's above 600K, and that's Libba. So Tom Libertore, uh, 615K, 118 average, 9% owned still only, 102 break even, fucking huge ass POD, scoring fucking brilliantly. And that's really all I can say, Pato, is he's scoring fucking brilliantly because he is. Yes, um, he is. Can we pause here? I've got work trying to call me. They're like they're locked out. Okay, so Pato's now dealt with his uh, work situation as well as discussed Taylor Swift tickets with his miso. So he's back to talking about <laughs> back to talking about Libba at six fifteen k Pato. Yes, apologies everyone, um, manager life here. But anyway, um, yeah, the, the only expensive option that I see actually worth it that isn't sort of a Tim English Clayton Oliver. Sorry, he's out. Um, sort of player because he is still a really nice POD. And at 615K, it's on the cheaper side of the Uber premium price, 9% ownership. Um, the average is obviously really healthy at 118. Three run average, 125. Like, it's, I, I, I find it really attractive. He's only had two scores under 100, Dano, which is pretty nutty. Um, Fuck yeah. There's a lot to like. Yeah. I just wish that I had the luxury of being able to bring him in. Um, yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, same. Yeah, like we'd love to have that. But if you've got the money in a position too, I, I love Libra as a pick. Yeah, yeah. Darcy Parrish, 563K, 105 average, 2% owned with a 116 break-even paddo. So he's a POD with a great run home. Uh, first game back was last week and he got, what, a 92? So 92. Started off pretty well from memory. Had about 60-odd at half time, which is obviously pretty good. Um, Essendon faded and so did Parrish, but I mean, he's coming off seven weeks off. So, yeah, kind of understandable. Yeah. Um, with the break even as, as it is, I think you could maybe afford to, to wait a week, but I, I don't hate this as a trading option. Like he plays Port Adelaide. His last game before he got injured was against Port Adelaide for a 117 at Adelaide Ovals. So, yeah, I think it's pretty good. He still has that really good run home that we were oh. so big on him the week he went down. Yeah. Which includes, if you don't know, West Coast and North uh, North Melbourne in back-to-back weeks in around 21 and 22. And then follows that up with the Giants, Dana, who have been conceding pretty big scores to midfields, and Collingwood, who um, are pretty restrictive to those inside mids, but um, you'll be in your Supercoach League Grand Final if uh, if this goes well. So the only thing is people some, – some people don't like having two primos from the same midfield, especially from a team in Essendon's position where – they could finish anywhere from sort of 6th to 10th. And if yeah. they do move towards that ninth, 10th range, do they maybe throw some, you know, the likes of Hobbs and stuff into more CBAs? But Parrish is still a, a free agent as well, possibly, isn't he? Like, there's still a bit of a question mark there. I don't know. I don't actually think he has signed anything. Yeah, so if he still hasn't signed a deal, there's a, there's a world where they say, well, it, you're clearly not signing. Um, we'll play a, a wing or a half forward and 
get a get a few more games into Hobbs. Like you know, you can see it happening. So it's it's yeah. risky, but nice POD for you and has shown a really high ceiling. Yeah. And you put LDU on the run sheet, and for those that don't know, that's Luke Davies Uniac. 497k, 106 average, 5% owned. Still 5% owned. What the fuck? Um, and 107 break even. So why have you put LDU on the run sheet, Pato? Well, his first three games of the year were 143, 155, 102. Yep. Um, he came back and he was clearly underdone. Everyone could see it. Um Played two, played round eight, round nine for a 59 and a 122, then went down again. I, I think he's had enough time now to get his body right. At 497,000 for a guy that he's, well, he's averaging 106 with scores like 59 in his average. Yeah. So the body's right. Um, for a guy that has 120, 130 plus capabilities and you can look at his scoring from last year to see what he could really do, especially the back end of last year. Yep. Um when he moved into that midfield really, really regularly. I think it's a bargain. I, I, I think like it's risky, sure. And yeah, he plays for North Melbourne, which no one fucking wants to jump onto. But for what he can do and at the price point, I I, I like it. Yep. Now, Pato, a little humble brag you can do for this one. So we've got Luke Parker up next, 576K, 103 average, 2% owned, 54 break even. He's had a three-round average and a five-round average of 119, and he's been going fucking amazing. And you brought him in thinking that he was going to pop off um, last week, and he did. So, Pato, take us through your man, Luke Parker. What? Why? Why should people consider him at 576K? Look, I, like I'm not here to brag. Like I did bring in Luke Parker on the weekend ahead of a Darcy Cameron, um, and my final upgrade will be in the forward line. I, I just thought I could spend the money that I had better in the midfield on a Luke Parker and trying to nail a POD, and that is obviously what Luke Parker is. Um, I He's shown a, not a super high ceiling, but the floor is what is really attractive about him. Um 134 against West Coast, and I get the sense that he got less CBAs in the second half as the game was well and truly over by even quarter time. Yep, yep. And that probably just managed him through the game a little bit, which maybe <laughs> held off from the 160 sort of score that I was hoping he would get to. Yeah. Obviously, I'm very happy with the 134 in the trade-in. But the run home looks pretty good, Dano. And when you think of Collingwood mid, uh, sorry, Sydney midfielders, like he's not getting tagged. And the CBAs have been consistent. So I think he's a great POD. He's, he's approaching a price, which is probably not great for a lot of people at 576K. I think you could probably target cheaper guys that will maybe score more. However, Luke Parker um, has a really, really long super coach history of being a really good scorer. So I think it'd be a really consistent scorer for, for me and anyone else that might want to jump him on. And, and again, this is the sort of pick that like goes against the crowd. Yeah. And and is is what will have you rise in the rankings if they do well. Okay. Now, Pato, with the our last two guys in the mids are essentially massively fallen primos. They're both averaging eighty six as Pato opens another can. They're both they're both on two percent ownership. The first one's Caleb Mills at four thirty K and the second one is Ollie Wines at four ninety nine. Now Let's look at Callum Mills first. He's got a break even at 167, got subbed off at three-quarter time against West Coast on 77, started at half forward, 
I didn't really watch this game because I was like, what the fuck is the point? It was getting out of hand way too quickly. Um, but I got told, and it could be wrong, that he started at half forward and then he floated and then started going into inside mid before getting subbed off at three-quarter time. So with a break-even of 167, I doubt he's going to hit it, but if he does hit it, he stays the same price, essentially. If he gets, let's say, 100, he still drops. So I, I reckon it's a good wait one more week for Helen Mills here. Yeah, I agree in terms of waiting one week. I can confirm I watched the first quarter of this game and he was playing half forward. Um, according to his heat map, he didn't have any disposals at centre bounce, but he did have nine CBAs. So that is interesting. His heat map sort of suggests half forward and wing sort of role, um, which kind of matches what he was playing before his injury. Mm. But this is absolutely a one more week out. I think take the West Coast score with a grain of salt. I wouldn't be jumping straight on this week. I'd be giving one, him one more week. That's against Geelong at SCG, um, where he actually doesn't score super highly, Dana. We, we noticed that trend last year, remember? Yeah. But I yeah. think the Geelong game will give you a really good indication. Like, if he scores an 80-odd against them in a full game, I think, obviously, you steer clear. And I don't think even under 400K, it's worth it. But if he goes a 100 to 120 in maybe 50% CBAs, I think you jump the fuck on for that round 17 game against Richmond. Yeah. Now, Ollie Wines, Pato, I made you put him on the run sheet. His break-evens are 63. He's got a five-round average of 105. Now... I've been, as you know, I've been actively tracking Ollie Wines to try and figure out when the best point would actually be to pick him with some sort of confidence. So since round nine, when he was at 420K, he got a 93, then he got 110 against Melbourne, then a 95 against Richmond, 95 against Hawthorne, 92 against Western Bulldogs, and then a 134 against Geelong. Would you consider him as like that last mid spot or like a bench? option, or would you be, I'll float this to you, be more inclined to pick an LDU who has is coming back and could get re-injured again? So I think this is something you should have jumped on when you flagged it, when you did Dano in sort of round 9 or 10 or whenever it was. Yeah, um, I wanted some consistency first. Yeah, and we've seen that his price has gone up to a point where it's kind of awkward. Um, the tackle numbers still aren't super high, Dano. Yeah, there's, you got, and, I think, six against Geelong. Yeah, which isn't peak good. wines. Mm. Um, and the time on ground is still kind of low. Like, he had 80% against the Dogs, but that's a game he played wing. And he got 72% on the weekend. Correct. Um, and he's floated around 70% for most of the year. So, mm. it's it's yeah. an interesting one. Um, the scoring's been okay. I think for the price point... I am more inclined to go an LDU at that price if I was looking at midfielders. Yep, that's fine. I think there's a better option that's a forward and mid. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm about to talk about him next. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get there, so you'll yeah. you'll know who I'm talking about there. But I I I know what you're saying, and I think it had to be when you discussed it first. Um, yeah, over four twenty, four forty k. Yeah. Yeah, and at that price, you can take a swing like that. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But happy days, it would have worked if you did jump on. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's fair enough. Just thought I'd throw it out there, Pato. Um, no, I love it. This is what people listen to us for, Dano. Like we, we look at the left field shit and we, we weigh up the pros and cons and 
you're going to go up the rankings by doing something different. And that's the sort of shit that you need to think about if you are going to raise the ranks. Yeah. Moving on to the forward line. Now, the bloke that we spoke about last week and literally named the podcast after him and this other bloke, um, Ben Keys, 462K. 113 average, 4.5% ownership, 33 break even. 119 Pato tagging, apparently, Nick Dacos. Yeah, not really tagging. Fuck, man, he's he's back to, can you say vintage keys? <laughs> well, no, because isn't he like 25? Like back, back when keys was like a primo and he was priced at over 600K at one stage. He's 26. Um even like vintage keys, so to speak, he was sort of getting 100s. He wasn't getting 120s. So I, I'm i a bit spewing. I didn't jump on last week. My gut said that he was playing midfield and Dacos was also going to play midfield and they were just going to go head to head. And that's what happened. However, I didn't. Um, and I'm now bringing him in for 45K more. Um, it meant holding on to Humphrey. Who scored fucking thirty five or whatever he scored um, went backwards and keys obviously went up. But we can't live in the past. Um, I think now we've seen more than enough to suggest that keys is a permanent in that midfield. If that four point five percent ownership isn't up towards sort of ten percent by the end of or by the lockout, I will be shocked. And like, if you're looking for an F six, even an, an M eight, don't know. I think Keys is your man at this price point. Well, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to bring in Keys this week. Um, to so kind la- of last year, team. yeah, last year um, when he started in a midfield role, um, his scoring was ridiculous, and then he got moved forward for the last few weeks of the year. But yeah, where like he started at 391k last year, the year before, he and was we're talking higher, like he. He went 128, 149, 113, 110, 106, 129, 103, 100, 106, 96, 114, 117 before his buy. Yeah, that's Jesus. And he was 550K. Like, that's just fucking nuts. Yeah. I, I like the Ben keys. Put the keys in the ignition. Let's go. Yep. Yep. I think we've seen enough now. Like... If there was going to be a forward role, it would have been against Dacos and it didn't happen. So I, I think yeah. you can select him with confidence now, and I would argue that he's a better trading option than Darcy Cameron, even though he provides rut cover. Yeah, Darcy Cameron's 480K, by the way, 97 average, 15% owned, 78 break even. So, yeah, decent rut cover with Cameron, but run home don't like. I like keys better. And, Pato, you just said the same thing. Do we really need to discuss Darcy Cameron some more or...? No, I, I I get why he's in fifteen percent of teams, and I get why people are looking at him. But I, I I'm a big proponent of looking at the run home, and I think that's enough to suggest that Cameron may go ninety five for the rest of the year. Where I can see he's going one one oh five one ten. Yeah, Taylor Walker. What about his teammate, the big Texan? Four eighty k eighty six average, zero point eight percent of teams, minus forty seven break even. He's got a. 200-plus score in there too, Pato, and a three-round average of 125 before playing North. He's got West Coast yeah, 24. Yeah, this is a very, very interesting one, Dano. Now, we all remember the year a couple of years ago where Walker started off really well and people brought him in as a cash cow, as a mid-pricer. Has shown decent super coach scoring ability because he gets lots of marks, gets lots of kicks, and on his day, kicks a lot of goals. Now, he's got four scores over 100 on the year, which isn't great. Yeah. But he's got a break even of negative 47. He plays North Melbourne this week where he could go real big 
Adelaide are flying, mind you. Like they they will finish top six. They should have beat Collingwood yesterday, by the way. I still stand by that. <laughs> Where he scored 117, kicking five, was it Dano yesterday? Like that's a good defense as well, Collingwood. Um the run home actually looks pretty good as well from Tex. Like You'd be nervous in round 19 against Melbourne, and I think maybe if you've got a loophole player, you probably play the loophole over Tex Walker against Melbourne. But his next three are North Melbourne, Essendon, and GWS, and that certainly doesn't make me think that he's going to do poorly in those three games. Round 20, I think it's a nervous field as well against Port Adelaide. Gold Coast are very underrated defensively. Brisbane are very hit and miss, and then Sydney and West Coast in his last two. I can see him averaging 105 in the rest of the year. I don't know. Am I, am I crazy in saying that? No, I think he can, potentially. And, yeah. And I think if, if people are looking at the likes of Tom Hawkins, who I'm trying to find his average and it's not jumping out, 83 at 385,000, like there's there's 95K difference there. But Tex is averaging more, and I think he'll score well more than Hawkins. Now, if you don't have keys, obviously keys is your number one and you're not looking at Walker. Yeah. But if for whatever reason you already have keys and you still need a forward, I mean, am I crazy to say that Taylor Walker could score more than like a Jack McRae? Okay, that's fucking ridiculous. Who scored <laughs> 81, 81 last game in a forward role? Mm, we, we, we'll see. I want to actually see that at the end of the year from this round onwards. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, we'll write that down. Uh, will he score more than Jack Siebel, Dano? Yes. Will he score more than Harry Sheasel? I'd probably say yes. What about Cogs? Cogs is a hard one. Yeah. Can't read that fucker. Yeah, so he's he's slightly more expensive than Siebel and Sheasel. He's cheaper than Canelio. If you want to go something crazy and you've got the trades, Canelio at 31% ownership at 498000 down to a Tex Walker who will win you league matchups, who will have you raise the ranks. You, it sounds crazy, but this is the sort of crazy shit that you got to do when you got to make up ground. Yeah. We'll keep moving on. So, Taron Thomas, 343K, 92 average, 12% owned for some fucking reason, but I, I kind of get it. And a 12 break even. So, he got 77 in his last game, Pato, in more of a halfback ish sort of role. Um, decent price, but. Just again, I I just got the no. I, I can't do it. Is a flog. Yeah. So if we don't even talk about how much of a flog he is, yeah. I think the two games where he played midfield, the scoring is obviously attractive at eighty nine and one twelve. Against the Dogs in round fourteen, they had a couple of midfielders come back, and he scored seventy five, and he played mostly half back. Dano, which um, obviously isn't where you want him playing if you own him. Yeah. Um. I, there's still points to be made there, but, I mean, if Aaron Hall comes back, does he go back to a half-forward role? Like, it's not great. LDU, so, LDU coming back too. Well, he's the one. He's the one who should play this week, which just further iterates that, I, yes, it's a great price, but I think even if you go down to the next two guys that we're talking about, I think they're better options if you're looking for a bench guy. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, so the next two guys that we're going to talk about, though, uh, it's it feels weird talking about blokes at a 250k at this point of the season. Uh, but first one's Sheldrick from Sydney at 251k, and the other one's Sam Flanders at 251k from the Suns, both averaging similar, 
Sheldrick at 13% ownership. Flanders, three. Sheldrick, minus 39 break-even. Flanders, four. So Sheldrick, kind of F7 cover. If you've got him, you can kind of hold him, but I feel like he's going to get subbed a fair bit. Still, Pato. Sam Flanders got 100 in pretty much your boy Humphrey's role, but Took's very, very fucking close after reading some shit. So I, I actually don't like either one. I feel like that it's just too much money to spend on bench players. Yeah, I, I see. I see what you're saying there. Um, Let me rephrase that. I think it's too much money to spend on these types of bench players, but I'd still pay like four hundred and something thousand for a fallen primo, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, look. Yeah. It, it all depends on what people are looking for, and people are going to have to be creative to to find the cash because cash has been really tough and. People have been swinging a lot of trades just to try and get to 18 during the buy rounds, just survive. So, look, I'm, I'm looking at possibly Flanders this week, Dano, um, in order to get keys as my F6, and that's trading out five, which is a little bit crazy, but I brought in Sheldrick last week also. So, look, Sheldrick had a decent role with Mills coming back into the team. However, it was West Coast, so I'm mindful that you can't look too much into that. Um, but, but as I said, it all depends on what people are looking for. Now, Pato, I just realized that we forgot someone that I said that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, go on. I'd like that you traded out Patrick Cripps. Oh, God. You got a big 117 in round 14, Pato. He's fresh off a week off. And he's coming off a week off. And he's got Hawthorne Fremantle in the next two. Hawthorne Fremantle West Coast in the next four. Just saying. <laughs> It did help me get over 2K this week. Yeah, fair enough. But in some... <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Are you are you going to be absolutely livid if Crips goes like 105 for the rest of the year? Yeah, because I've had him since round one. Because he's 457K on the nose, Pato. He is, and he's got a break even of 89. Mm, and yeah. Hawthorne. Yeah, and I mean, coming off a buy, you'd think that will help whatever ailment that he was carrying through the season. Yeah. So leads us on to our first listener question, Pato, is why I wanted to bring it up as well. Scobie Bryant goes, boys, do we stick with spastics like steel and crips or do we use the last couple of trades to upgrade them? I I mean, didn't steel get 100 on the weekend? <laughs> no, he didn't. He got close though. 97. I, I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that. I did take um, that. <laughs> it's all I could. Well, yeah, we didn't have much choice this weekend. I I think if you've only got a couple of trades, you've got to keep them for someone in, inevitably doing a tackle or a bump that causes a concussion and gets a two- or three-week suspension. Or injuries, yep. obviously. Yeah. 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 He's also got another part of that question, too. He goes, what's the difference between the West Coast board backing Simpson and the Carlton board backing the team. Nothing. They're both backing absolute spud donkeys in a stallion race. <laughs> I mean, I, I get West Coast backing Simpson because they know that the, the team shit and they know that Simpson is a premiership coach. Mm. So I don't I don't think West Coast actually gain anything from sacking him. I well, think they just throw an inexperienced coach into the fire and causes them just unnecessary stress. Like do you, want me to put my actual, do you want me to put my professional hat on here? Yeah. 
He is contracted till the end of 2025, Pato, and they are apparently already just just off breaching a soft cap or whatever for the um, admin and staff. So much right. like how so you, how you no got way um, he's getting. so much like how you have a salary cap for players, you also have one for um, admin and staff as well, which includes yep. the coach's salary. So if yep. they paid him out, they then have to hire a new coach and they'd go over that soft cap and they'd be breaching and paying all those fines. Or, or they'd have to make draft a, and, and shit. Yeah. And then that or they'd have to make someone redundant that helps the the backroom staff, whether that be a psychologist or a a physio, so, like something like that. So yeah. When people are thinking, oh yeah, just pay him out and get a new coach, it's okay there's a lot more to it than just paying a fucking coach out. They actually kind of can't. And it's not just like a two year, like it's till the end of 2025. So it's two and a half years. I can see West Coast rebuilding pretty quickly though. Like if they do trade the number one pick and get two or three higher picks in like the same draft, I can see them possibly getting a priority pick next year. So that'll give them two picks in the top sort of two or three next year. They could be good again in the next three or four years. Like they're a successful club off the field. They're financially yep. strong. They're somewhat of a destination club just because they are the bigger club of, of the WA boys. Sorry to any Frio fans out there, but, I mean, they know the re- the reality there. Um, I don't think it takes long for these sort of clubs to rebuild. Like, it's not a Gold Coast who are broke trying to rebuild. I, th- I think they will – like, it's going to be – like, they are bad. Like, yeah. they're worse than Fitzroy when they got fucking folded bad. Yep. But they can rebuild pretty quickly, I think. Uh, we'll move on. So, Camo 18 says, is Keys worth a trade-in for Humphrey? I say yes. Fuck yeah. yeah, that's what I'm doing, yes. Yeah, okay. King, the big King supercoach who's in the top 200, um, says, would you trade Chincotta, keeping Seamus, um, that's Seamus Mitchell as a season D7, and go down to three trades at full primo, or use Seamus's money, keep Chincotta for season cover, that have four trades left over to ride out the season. I'd keep Chincotta for, for cover and use the same Seamus money to upgrade to a, a better defender. Yeah. Okay. There, there's teams that have zero trades, don't know, as of like last week. Yeah, that's pretty fucked. So, so they're a like they're a one one or two week injury from a popular primo away from being absolutely fucked and fielding like Ryan marriage. Yeah. Fuck. So I think I, I think two or three trades is enough to ride out the year. I mean, it may not be. We might look back and go, "Fuck, we needed six trades after the buys." But I think with how aggressive some people have been, I know King Supercoach is in the top one thousand as well. Um, I think he's two hundred odd no, or two hundred top two hundred. He he moved to one ninety seven over the buys. Right. Yeah. So I I would be strengthening on field and having Chincotta as cover, and I think three is enough. Yeah. Okay. Facebook, um, Ian, he said, if Oliver plays this week, well, he's not. So is he worth jumping straight on? Or do you think Libba's a safer bet? Well, now that we know, Libba. I don't kind of see where that that one is. Um, it's all good. Just go Libba. Oliver's out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Oliver's out, so uh, Cool. Baden, would you count it as a full primo team with the likes of Keys, Powell, and Briggs in it? I would say I, I haven't even looked at Powell, to be honest. He scored a 90-odd on the weekend, but his scoring has been a bit up and down. I said when he was at 200-odd 
250-odd K, that Briggs is a primo listed at 250-odd K, and I'm still sticking by that, Pato. He is one of the most informed players of the competition right now, and yeah. And Keys as well. He's fucking going well in that midfield role, so those two I would consider being as primos. Yeah, Keys is absolutely a primo in my eyes. Here we go. Here comes the Briggs. Briggs on current form is a primo. But I feel like the guys like Marshall and Darcy outscore him from this point onwards. I disagree. I reckon Briggs outscores Marshall. Anyway. But I, but if Briggs was my R2, I wouldn't hate it. And I think Powell is not quite at that level. But in the same sense that most people have like a Sheasel, Day, Zeeble, um, I think you're fine with him at D6. If he's sitting D5, you probably don't love that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Liam goes, he has seven trades left, 150K in the bank. Should he bring Mills into M8 to finish his team or wait a week um, with his high break even and it would leave him with five injury and luxury trades? I think it depends on who would be the M8 this week. Like if it's a Humphrey, you've got to jump off because he played forward pocket. If it's a Sheldrick, that's tough, but I'd be okay with Sheldrick on field for another week. But with seven trades left. Okay. it leaving him five trades to to finish out the year. I think do it this week. Okay, cool. So we got Chris's is our final question, and then we got five minutes. Hopefully, we get this done in a minute um, for VC and C options. So Chris says a little late, but here goes. Do you think it would be hard for the commentators to commentate on Pies games with both Dacos's cocks in their mouths? Fuck me! Everything they they say and do, the Pies is just majestic and the best ever. Adelaide were awesome, almost winning at the G, yet it was all how great the pies were, and this is coming from a Hawks fan. Yeah, Chris, great, great question, and <laughs> Scobie's going to come at us for this, but I don't give a fuck. They did right. What, this this is, pisses me off a little bit as well because Richmond were one of the – and I'm a little bit biased here being a Richmond fan, but Richmond were one of the better modern team – like modern-day teams – around Dano, like Brisbane were better in their sort of dominant era. But the amount of bias that went against Richmond when we were good was a fucking joke, and they do dick ride pies so fucking much. Like, they're, they're great to watch, and they're playing really positive footy, and I, and I like watching them. But I agree, the commentators do fucking dick ride them hard, and it is frustrating. Um, yep, okay. We credit got, we to got Adelaide. To, yeah. All right. Yeah. We got to keep moving because we got like four minutes thirty se- thirty seconds left for this segment. So we're not called the Super Coach Co Captains for nothing. Every week we give you guys the VC and C options to set your team apart from the rest, um, especially King Super Coach, who is going to be relying on this information because he's trying to make up some ground in the top two hundred. So Thursday, Brisbane versus Richmond at the Gabba. Who you got, Pato? I think most people will be seeing in this game. Um, I think you can't go wrong with any of Dunkley, Taranto, Neil. I feel like maybe Dunkley does get a little bit of attention because Richmond have been tagging since McQualter took over. Yep. Um, But I still back in a sort of 120 score. So I think any of those three. Yep. Uh, Friday, Sydney versus Geelong. Um, Who you got in this one, Pato? Um, Tom Stewart has a decent role, although may get a bit of Ryan Clark attention, so I don't love that. Um, I don't know if I love anyone else in this game, Dano. Luke Parker? I mean, it would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Errol Gordon's a bit hit and miss against Geelong too. Didn't he have 60-odd against ML in the year? 
Yeah, he's a bit hit and miss. Yeah, no. Yep. Uh, we'll move on. Saturday, Adelaide versus North Melbourne at Adelaide. The Oka. Texan. Fucking, if you got him, VC the fuck out of him. <laughs> Honestly, holy shit. Imagine if he goes yeah. another 200. Um, anyone else, Pato? Don't yeah, either one of Laird or Dawson, I think, are great options here, even for a C. Yeah, okay. Western Bulldogs versus Frio at Marvel. And why is it the Bont? Lazy 182 against them in round six this year, Dano. Um, yep. Aish may try to tag him, but try is the emphasis there. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Bont's going to get overlooked a fair bit this week, um, and a lot of people are going to go VC early on. Dunkley. So, yeah, I don't mind it. Um, what about Andy Brayshaw or nah? No, not against the Dogs. They don't concede super high scores to midfielders just because they have so many dominant players. Yep. Um, I actually, if Luke Ryan plays loose, I don't mind him as a VC option. Not okay. so. Okay, I'm going to power through these ones, Pat. So, Suns versus Collingwood at Hibiscus Stadium, I'll call it. I <laughs> uh, don't really love anyone in this game. Okay, Nick fair enough. Yep. Nick Dacos. Okay. Standard. Essendon yeah. versus Port Adelaide at MCG. Uh, oh, yeah, Parish. don't love it. Nah, I, I, I think Drew will go to Parish. Don't like a Rosie or a Butters for a Yolo? Like, not really a Yolo, but... Actually, yeah, I don't mind those options. I think, yeah, Essendon have been conceding pretty big scores, so don't mind either of them. But yep. we're looking at Cs here, and I don't love them. Uh, Sunday, Hawthorne versus Carlton at the MCG. Yeah. Uh, next game, Melbourne versus the Giants at... Where the fuck is that? Uh, Traeger, that's Darwin. Um, yep. Petrarca. Yeah, the track. We don't really have anyone that could stop him other than Green, and Green won't run with him. So that is true. Um, what? It, Josh Kelly? Yeah, yeah. They have been concerning big scores to midfielders. Yeah. Yep. And the last one, West Coast versus St. Kilda at Opto. Actually, fuck it, Briggs. <laughs> <laughs> not, anyway, against, not against Gondi. Okay, quick. West Coast versus St. Kilda at Optus Stadium. Uh, Max yeah. King. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Pato, what's your Twitter handle? It's at P A T O S Triple C. And mine is at D A N E O S Triple C. So from us at the Supercoach co captains, I'm Dano. And I'm Pato. And this is us signing. The fuck off.